You're listening to ayahuascapodcast.com. Hi guys, in this episode of ayahuascapodcast.com, we speak with Tim Lawrence. Uh, we talk about Hoffman process and uh, we try to understand what it is and how it works. Uh, we talk about Tim's personal ayahuasca experience and uh, personal growth. We talk about what are the similarities between Hoffman process and an ayahuasca experience. We talk about several famous people that have experienced Hoffman process and so much more. Uh, I'm sure you will enjoy this episode. Hi guys and welcome to ayahuascapodcast.com. As always with you, the host Sam Believe. Today we're joined by Tim Lawrence. Tim Lawrence is our guest here at uh, La Waira Retreat. As you can see in the background is a medicine house that we're currently building. Uh, Tim is um, at our retreat for the second time. Uh, when were you here last time? Exactly a year ago, almost to the day. I think it was yeah one one day off, and it was my it will be my anniversary. Exactly a year ago, and it's actually a very great practice coming uh, doing uh, ayahuasca once a year. You know, as I say, one apple a day keeps the doctor away. I would say one ayahuasca retreat a year keeps the psychiatrist away. So Tim is uh, not just a guest here. He's a fascinating human being. He's a writer, public speaker, a teacher, and a facilitator. Tim wrote a book uh, called Hoffman Process that has been translated into seven languages. Tim uh, has been practicing Hoffman Process for the last 30 years. And he is the last person to be trained by Hoffman himself. Correctly? That's true, yeah. Uh, a few years ago, um, back in the end of the 80s and the early 90s. So I've been doing it for about 30 years now. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, like many people who come here or who come to any kind of personal development, I was very interested in knowing more than what is normally provided you know and some people get this when they're 55 some people are 25 i got it at about the age of 15 i think um and at the time it was very easy to get into drugs um and i think i took too much too young so that didn't help me except gave me a sort of a, a sense that mm, there must be something a lot more out there than was being taught in my general education um so I went to India, was there a year, did a lot of Vipassana, but again, around the age of 22, too young to just be sitting, standing still. But I noticed that everything I was interested in at the time was a blend of East and West and seemed to be emanating out of California. So I managed to make my way over there and spent the next um, 15 years in California learning everything I could, all kinds of different methods. And the Hoffman method um, is a wonderful synthesis of programs. So it doesn't obviously use plant medicine. Unfortunately, it isn't totally legal in Not many, yet. In many Not countries. Yet. Um, it uses a, a variety of, well, maybe, you know, we can get into that later. You asked about me. Um, I have two wonderful boys. They're now both grown up, 26 and 28. Um, still very much in good terms with my ex-wife who runs Hoffman in the UK. I just love to travel. I always have loved to travel. I love to love languages. I love to be open and explore you mentioned your ex-wife is it true that she's a bond girl yeah i don't know how much she'd like me to to, to say that she was a professionally trained rada royal academy of dramatic art actress but she happened to be uh, caught kissing in a scene 
as it was meant to be, Piers Brosnan in the 1995 movie Goldeneye. That's an interesting trivia. And, uh, you know, only two kinds of people can date a Bond girl, a Bond himself or a Bond villain. So I'm assuming... <laughs> or a wannabe. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Tim, obviously it's your second time here. You've already, this time you've done a couple ceremonies already. Um, first of all, how, how was your ayahuasca experience so far? And uh, tell us a little bit about your experiences, maybe highlights of that. And then uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about parallels in between the Hoffman process and let's say what happens here at the Ayahuasca Retreat. Yeah, sure. Because they have kind of the same format, you know, remove yourself from the world, stop your daily routine and just listen. So um, my experience a year ago was because I really wanted to come because I'd had one night on ayahuasca in England and nobody, I think, got very much from it and we didn't really integrate it or anything afterwards. So when I heard about this and I heard your podcast um, talking about talking about it, you, you sounded very, very articulate about it. I researched it, couldn't find anything negative on your reviews. Bit, bit suspect that, but it all seems to be true. Um, and I had a really good time here. Um, we had four ceremonies, two night and two daytime. Um, and we also had the word circles whereby we got to integrate it. And as we went around in a group of 20 or so, um, we were able, I think, to hear just how different the medicine is for each different person. What it is they're reflecting through their own past, if they have trauma, if they don't have trauma, if they're just having perhaps a wonderful opening, a connect to themselves, others, the universe, call it what you will of their experience and I relaxed more and more into it and I remember the fourth time I was just in a state of blissful connection of oneness throughout and um, that stayed with me for a long time I would stay, say it stayed the whole year and the memory of this being a, not just a safe place but a happy place made me really want to come back and yeah I'd like a car or something get a bit of maintenance yeah, it's, um, I personally drink ayahuasca once a month, but it's only one ceremony. So mm -hmm. for obviously not everyone has the luxury of living at an ayahuasca retreat. In that case, when people ask me, how long should my retreat be? Or should I, how, how often should I come? I say, if you have like a big issue you want to resolve, come and do a couple longer retreats. And then when you feel better, just uh, once a year seems to be a very safe amount. It's funny you mentioned the reviews because... Uh, one girl recently said uh, she was very suspicious as well. So many five-star reviews. I think we're treading around 350 right now. Um, she basically, after doing her retreat and obviously enjoying it a lot, she said she put us four-star review and then the comment said, I would put 10 if possible, but uh, she added four-star, so it's um, so a bit less it down suspicious. So yeah. 5.0 to 4.98 or something. Yeah, something like that would be would be nice. So it's a, it's a, it's a good problem to have. <laughs> so you um, you've been working with this uh, Hoffman method for 30 years. Uh, the only thing I know about it is what I learned in preparation for this interview with information you provided. Uh, can you tell uh, listeners a bit more about that method and what drew you to it? Well, our byline is when you're serious about change. So it's a seven-day intensive retreat where people really go when they're fed up of being fed up, when 
they've had some issues that come up again and again and again. And usually they hear about it through word of mouth, because on that level of intensity, you kind of want to know somebody who's gone through it in order to be able to trust the various methods. I was trying to do it partly because friends of mine did it. And though I was in a sort of a set of people who emigrated either from Europe or moved from the New York area to to the West Coast, we were really interested in what was going to make things change. You know, we were dissatisfied. We wanted to know, was it an Indian guru? Was it a psychedelic substance? Was it a therapy thing? And this method seemed to combine lots of things together. Without going into the methodology, I can say that, it, you know, it looks at the physical, it looks at the emotional, it looks at the intellectual, rational, and it looks at the spiritual. Um, in straight psychology, I was a little frustrated because a lot of it was about what was wrong with us. There was no sort of out there, everything is fine just as it is. Um, in some of the methods, there was too much intellect, you know, the analysis. Some of the things I'd done were pure emotions, which is great, but, you know, you can get out your anger or you can cry, or you can shout and scream. But I just needed something more to bring it all into place. And I think particularly with Hoffman, it talks about forgiveness. And I think you can get that as well a lot with the plant medicine. I hear a lot of people talking about getting understanding and forgiveness from the person who um, had issues with them as a child many, many years ago. So we're looking at all of that. I was attracted to it because I myself was suffering. There's a lot of addiction and pain in my, I guess, wanting to get away from pain in my my family. My only brother had committed suicide after drugs. So there are many reasons why I got to got to got to do it and yeah we work with people who really want to work who you know are dedicated to doing doing something doing something about it it's very interesting because everything you said describing hoffman method uh if you would remove hoffman and said ayahuasca it was very precise it's so similar isn't it's it? uh, yeah. word of mouth that's how we get all our people you'd rather get a referral because it is an intensive process mm -hmm. and you want to feel trust in somebody who's done it before and everything, you know, a complex medicine that goes to spirit, body. The only thing missing is purging. Yep, yeah, <laughs> that's true. In fact, in a very early version, because um, I actually also did quite a bit of research about Bob Hoffman and his life and how he got uh, the process going, in the 60s and 70s, because it started actually in 67, they'd have people, when they were, after working through the mother and father, drink, I think, salty water and provide them with a bucket to throw throw up in. Um, that isn't done anymore. And, and it is unfortunate in terms of ayahuasca that, you know, and another parallel is lots of people have objections to doing deep work. Lots of people have objections to going away from home and having less contact with, with the world. But one of the things, um, yeah, ayahuasca, people can have an objection to it purging. When I, you know, had negative associations with Purging, but I like the, the Spanish word for it, isn't it? It's to alleviate, aliviar. Mm -hmm. And everybody, and certainly myself, felt afterwards that this is just not a normal being sick because you've eaten something bad. This is a wonderful cleansing. The plant medicine helps you. And I'm getting goosebumps when I say that, you know, um, and I sound like the true converted, but the purging is very much a part of it, isn't it? Yeah, for those of you who are listening and you haven't done ayahuasca before and you're wondering about that part of the process sometimes you feel like a negativity from your body and the memory it all comes together into your stomach and it's churning and you feel like 
emotional becomes physical and then you purge it and as the bodily evacuation leaves your body you are left with feeling of lightness and uh, this is why they call it to alleviate in in the in the colombian ayahuasca tradition so sometimes when you after working with ayahuasca for a while and going back to work with let's say other plant medicines like mushrooms in in which a lot of times you don't purge some people report to me that they have missed the purge because there is definitely something about that transmutation from emotional to physical and then the purge so uh tim um i'm curious about uh you said you you were the last to be trained by Bob Hoffman. Yeah, so he was the man who founded. How, how did you the meet him? That, that's a question. Well, he was my teacher on the Hoffman process, and that was coincidence. You know, though it was put on every every month in um in the East Bay in, Cal- in Northern California. He for the last few years had been working in Europe and in Australia, establishing it. But it was December; he'd come he'd come back. So it was my teacher and he was very intuitive and he encouraged me to apply for the training and then it just so happened again the next summer he was he he was done with his traveling and he trained me a lot of it was apprenticeship you know you were on site learning from the master and, and then when i had qualified we went and toured in canada a few times so i got to know him and his method pretty well and he was very intuitive i think one of the brilliant things about that was that it wasn't a theory it wasn't a psychological theory although it's based on certain things like you know look at your uh, the dynamics in your family system Uh, he was a fascinating man who kind of didn't know how to handle much technology but he just had a wonderful spirit and he would always be he'd always be tuning in sounds a bit like a shaman you know he's uh, maybe he had some kind of connection to the spirit he quite enjoyed being called an urban shaman you know he mm. wasn't a sort of out there in the jungle or the desert kind of a shaman but certainly people and remember you know he was this was in the berkeley and san francisco there were a lot of people way out there like claudia naranjo who you know is is known for doing many different things he's now passed on but a chilean psychiatrist who talked a lot about using psych- psychedelics um so he was definitely faced with that. One of his great friends was Leo Zeff, who was later exposed as the, I think, what was it called? The Chieftain. He was able to turn on thousands of therapists onto LSD in Berkeley. He would just sit, sit with them. So there was a bit of that beyond, beyond the mind, very much beyond the mind. Definitely. I think that's, uh, that's the area where the healing happens. Mm. One, there was one researcher, but I must look it, look it up if I can find it, find it again, who said that um, psychedelics, and this is like Hoffman too, allow parts of the mind to talk together that don't usually communicate. And, it, and he also used the, the expression that they flatten the landscape of the mind. And I sort of see that as very bumpy parts in our, what Michael Pollan, who I think is wonderfully explained things in the book, How to Change Your Mind, um, he explains that so much of our time is spent in our default modal network. And in Hoffman, in meditation, in plant medicine, you manage to get out of that. Something grabs you and gets you beyond your normal anxiety or depression or, or fear. And so whatever we can do to help, it's sort of a reduction of the ego, isn't it? It's like the ego is very necessary for getting on in the world, but it so gets in our way. 
Yes, I like to explain to patients that come to the retreat is that ego is necessary and it protects you from the outside. And e your ego is what brought you here. But as this ego gets constructed and it gets traumatized by you know life events, it ends up being this uh, kind of ugly construction. And sometimes you need to dismantle it to reconstruct it, but slightly nicer every time. Yeah. And this is where yeah. psychedelics come helpful. The, um, yeah, but ego is very difficult to work with as i as i like to use this analogy of a cat trying to put a cat in the in the bath it will come up with lots of excuses so that's why i guess lots of people are so avert to to deep work also i think ego in a spirit tradition is often sort of ignored or pushed down or you know thought of as as bad but it, it just comes back and bites them in the ass you know I mean, look at all the stuff that goes on in spiritual communities or the catholic church you can't get rid of ego but i think both of our types of work allow us to go softly with self-love and oh yeah i've got this pattern of behavior we use you know we use the word pattern a lot or i've got i've got this thing going on with me somebody in the group was saying you know people consider me an asshole but um, she was saying that with sort of humor and self-love mm -hmm. about being able to gently probe that. And I see, you know, myself doing this work as a chance not to be in my ego of I'm a facilitator, I'm the person leading the group. Because when you go up with the, with the wonderful medicine, your ego has to kind of get way, way, way in the background. <laughs> well, I must tell you, Tim, uh, your ego is pretty much in check. Because uh, it took me a year to learn about who you are and your achievements. And uh, some people would say, you know, my name is Tim. I am the founder. I am this and that. And you, you've you been very humble about who you are and what you do. And uh, including, you know, I said, uh, Tim, I'm going to introduce you as a writer. And you said, like, no, I'm not a writer. Yes, you are a writer because uh, you wrote a book and it's uh, it's a pretty pretty popular book. So... My next question is, apparently Hoffman Method is pretty popular. And uh, can you tell us about the story about Orlando Bloom and Katy Perry? Well, as long as they've admitted to doing the process, I can, I can say something. Because I knew that Katy Perry, because I've been in quite a few processes where people that she's recommended have, have done it. And so she's a big, big champion. And she would send all, all her friends, some of whom she would pay for to do it as well what i didn't know is how public orlando bloom was was about it but mm -hmm. apparently he has come out and said it and great if a couple can do it i don't know so much about their story but somebody was um suggesting that orlando bloom did it before and Katy perry saw the peace inside of him and said you know um i'm not used to that so i better change my own behavior i don't know if that's true or not i'd have to sort of see her um interviewed for me to be able to to say that but um yeah there are a lot of i don't know again it's word of mouth so a lot of the hollywood crowd would come and do it in in um in the u.s there's a beautiful site in petaluma in marin county um and we get a lot of celebrities but not a lot compared to what it is it's just it's easier sometimes to get a newspaper mention or a magazine article mm -hmm when they can say, oh, the beautiful Sienna Miller did it, or the wonderful Tandy Newton did it, or whatever. He says dropping a few names in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have uh, famous people actually promote positive things. Yeah, because, you know, they've got their 
they got their reputation because with this and with my work could be seen as pretty wacky, pretty pretty out there. But you know, if it affected them positively and they want, as you say, to affect a positive change, yeah, good well, for them. Kathy and Orlando, if you're listening, you are invited to Lawira. <laughs> uh, maybe then uh, they can help us spread the word about, you know, psychedelic renaissance and that it is medicine, not a drug. Uh, they uh, talk about Hoffman Method as a uh, non-psychedelic, psychedelic experience. Yeah, no, it's funny that. And the more I found out about psychedelics, was obviously I knew them as a teenager and then I left them for a long time and then I was with the world of Hoffman the connections are we both allow people to go way beyond their normal way of seeing things you know they can have a vision we allow people to go beyond their past and forgive we allow people to drop from their normal mindset and achieve a sense of calm and at the same time they may experience great fear on the way to experience and great joy you know the same gate over their heart that has kept them closed from feeling joy has has um sorry it's the same gateway that keeps them in prison in anger or sadness can open to to joy so there's a lot to unpack if you're willing to unpack it unfortunately most of the world is happy to keep things very much on the down low sedated with you know what, the internet, junk food, TV, Netflix, whatever it is. Um, I, I shared with you my somewhat crazy idea about um, combining those kinds of experiences like Hoffman, Hoffman Method or other kinds of um, self-work uh, group setting events with ayahuasca. For example, um I had this idea about maybe using some form of microdosing, whether it be ayahuasca or another uh, psilocybin mushrooms or San Pedro, and then and then doing the the work. If maybe that could be helpful to increase the efficiency or speed of opening up, or maybe depth you can go to. In your opinion, how does this uh, two lines of self work? can be mutually beneficial, uh, whether done together or separately, uh, let's say doing once a year doing ayahuasca and once a year doing Hoffman method. Okay, so how are they compatible? Firstly, Hoffman, you know, in the countries we do it in, unfortunately, we can't even do do microdosing. Did you ever see that program, um, Nine Perfect Strangers with uh, Nicole Kidman? Um, That's where she does sort of personal development work and gets them to do lots of stuff about their parents but then she microdoses them with psilocybin smoothies in the in the morning and um i joke sometimes at the start of the process by the way guys i'm sorry you won't be getting any smoothies what we can do what you can do and what um wonderful academy in california is doing is training people to assist as trained therapists and use psychedelics and in that or mdma or or psilocybin in that to provide a skillful training to talk with somebody before to accompany them during and to and to help them integrate afterwards the work they need to do whether it's relationships whether it's you know trauma from a war or childhood or whether it's just yeah needing to unpack the the nitty-gritty of of life Um, so I would say it needs to be done skillfully because as you know 
you can't just do this on your own. It really does need it really does need guidance. Yeah, ayahuasca work is extremely powerful, but it is chaotic sometimes, and uh, guidance definitely help. We try and do that by helping people set intentions and um, integrate that experience in the form of written integration journals and also sharing circles. But yeah, if you could get a professional, that would be nice. Two episodes ago, if I'm not mistaken, we have interviewed Simon Simon. He is a he's a therapist who came here to to Loire and he expressed interest in volunteering and doing this kind of work. So, Simon, if you're listening, we still remember about you. So, now, I mean, if somebody could come here where it, you know it's acceptable, it's legal, and work with people before, during, and after, that would be great. What you do do, and I don't think you've given yourself enough credit for it, you model the word circle very well. You and a couple of your assistants will start off the word circle to enable people, as we go around in the group of 20 or so, to speak deeply about their experiences. And in so doing that, they might even not have realized it before. And you also encourage us to, to journal it, anything that could make it more concrete, rather than just, you know, a memory of the, the night before. Definitely, we're trying our best and improving gradually, as you can see this you, building behind you. Made huge um, improvements since last um, year. Yeah, this huge building here where the ceremonies will be, but also you've got the coming up 10 cabins. You've got a wonderful pathway down to the river. You've got loads of stone things. And the food, top notch. So yeah, as as um, as a from a perspective of somebody who who also facilitates the retreats, um, what do you think about uh, you know the the work we do, or maybe um, just just generally, you know, uh, what do you think is the future of those plant medicines, and how does it make you feel? Like, is it uh, um, is it optimistic or do you know I think even in the last few years we've seen a great acceptance of them um, Gabor Mate gets mentioned quite a bit and his books sell hugely he has huge um, turn ups for his talks and his um, coaching I think he does a whole program um, and his podcasts and other people too and I think I mean you know is it legal now in Austria or Portugal or, you know, it's legal in a religious sense in Brazil and, and the US. So it becomes more and more normalized. So my, my hope is that as it becomes more normalized, it becomes more like a ritual, a rite of passage, rather than something weird that we've got to not, not mention. Um, I like what you said to me once, which is a, um, rather than hearing asking somebody, have you ever done ayahuasca? It will turn to, when was the last time you did ayahuasca? But it needs, you know, it does need a bit of um, public image work, as it were. Mar uh, subtle marketing. But the marketing will be, I suppose, you know, people like you and me talk, telling our friends ab about it. Yeah, and also uh, this kind of work, you know, creating content and for people to see more people who have done it before, see that it is actually safe if it's done responsibly and that you can achieve uh, great results. And another uh, famous person that um, 
uh, I've heard about, you know, what happened to Justin Bieber and why his uh, why he walked away from his Hoffman process. Yeah. Um, we can talk about Justin Bieber because he actually mentioned it in an interview with one of the Vogue um, international editions. It isn't for everybody, just as this isn't for everybody. You have to come when you're very ready. And I imagine that he wasn't that well prepared for it or too many people encouraged him because they could perhaps see he was having a really difficult time. And the fact a major star like that, there's hundreds of people whose income depends upon him. So they wanted perhaps, Justin, please clean up your act. He wasn't ready. It wasn't his thing. Um, I think he walked out, on, he said, on the fourth, fourth day because it was just weird for him. And he said, I far prefer to go and hang out and hug my, 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 my wife. We try to vet people as much as we can beforehand. You know, there's an interview, there's something like eight hours of written work to do that will ask them not to drink or, you know, have too much of a social life right before. We ask them to have a couple of days afterwards. But one thing came from the Justin Bieber disappearance. Um, other magazines then started saying, uh, calling us the world's toughest therapy. Are you, mm -hmm. are you, um, can you handle the world's toughest therapy? It's not that tough. And actually, we don't even really brand it as therapy. It's personal development, series of structured exercises. We really use, really, uh, use the day well that may or may not have a positive effect. Of course, we hope they, we hope they do. <laughs> oh, so, uh, yeah, I think I asked all the questions that I wanted to ask. Is there anything else you want to teach us about uh, Hoffman Method or... Is there any message you want the audience to walk away with? I just say, um, you know, people listening to this podcast or even searching the term personal development, ayahuasca, Hoffman or whatever, are already, already interested. At some point, people need to sort of leave getting information and just trust an inner voice because that's an inner voice that will help them in this work. That inner voice comes beyond just the normal everyday executive function of the mind. So for all the people out there who are interested in personal development, go with what you want when you're ready. When you're ready, the teacher is there. Beautiful words. Um, Tim, uh, where can people find about you? Um, on the internet, hoffmaninstitute.co.uk is our English one, hoffmaninstitute.org for the US or hoffmaninternational.com for the Hoffman International. It's about 15 countries. Guys, so you've been listening to ayahuascapodcast.com. As always with you, the host, Sam Believe. Thank you for listening to this episode of ayahuascapodcast.com. Remember to leave us a like and subscribe to us, whatever it is you're listening. Uh, by doing so, you know you're also helping us spread the world spread the word about um, psychedelic renaissance and uh, help with the ongoing mental health crisis. Uh, nothing in this episode is uh, medical advice and is for informational purposes only. Reina.